Hey guys, welcome back to 20-something. It is currently the day before I go on my last spring break ever. It feels very, very surreal because I've never done anything this big for a break. And I'm just super excited to spend a lot of time with friends. But on the other hand, it's bittersweet because it is going to be like my last break ever. That's actually like, you know, scheduled in time and not one that I'm going to have to like take out of PTO in the future. So it's a little sad in that sense, but I'm really excited about it. So I really need the spring break because the past two weeks have been all over the place. It's been the biggest highs and the biggest lows. Two weeks ago, I was in Seattle because I'm potentially going to be moving there, and I absolutely loved it. It felt like home. I really enjoyed the weather. I mean, it was clear skies every day. There was so much to do, beautiful views of the mountain. I just loved every area of it and how many unique food options there were and coffee shops and just like different shops. It, It just was so Fun. It kind of reminded me of the uniqueness of New York without being as big. And you can still walk around a lot. So I came back from that trip on an absolute high, driving back to good old JMU. And then I got the news that my uncle suddenly passed away. And when I say suddenly, I mean like he was 42 years old. And he died in his sleep. And I was stuck. I was frozen in shock. I was paralyzed. And I then flew out to Chicago for four days to go to the funeral. And was surrounded by family that I hadn't seen in years. And... It's just so weird because it's like you're trying to grieve and process what is going on, but also you're trying to then also uh, catch up family on what's been going on in your life um, because they haven't seen you in a while. And it just felt so weird. It was necessary to help with the grieving process, but it's so weird and That's what I kind of want to touch on today because I've been thinking a lot about the different types of ways that we grieve and what I was doing versus what other people were doing and also how it compares to other times in my life when I've had to grieve. So there isn't a, I don't think there's a right way to grieve And I think that's a misconception that a lot of people have is they feel like they have to be grieving correctly. I know I felt that when this happened because like I said, I felt paralyzed in shock. Like I just could not believe that this had actually happened and I couldn't get anything done. I just would lay in bed and like feel super existential and 
I just couldn't get myself to eat. I couldn't get myself to move. I couldn't do anything. But it wasn't like what you see in the movies where you're just absolutely like sobbing when it happened. Um, Like I cried a little bit, but I was mostly just stuck. I was frozen. And that's very similar to like how my mom was as well. She was paralyzed, but she was also able to just sob as well. So, you know, the difference between how my mom grieved and how I grieved was very apparent in that she was able to just like feel all of her emotions and let them out um, because, you know, it was her baby brother versus me. I was feeling so many emotions that I was stuck. It's, it's not like I was mentally blocking myself off from feeling those emotions, but it's like my body went into survival mode in that the wave of grief was so much that all I could do was just be paralyzed and, and almost like frozen in time and living in denial about it. And, you know, they teach you in school about the five stages of grief and denial being the first one. I think I want to reword that as in disbelief. It's not so much that you're denying that it actually happened. You know what happened. I think it's disbelief in it actually happening. You know, like you just can't believe that it did happen, but you're not disputing that he is dead or your loved one is dead. You just feel paralyzed by disbelief and honestly for me personally I wasn't able to break that paralyzation or that disbelief until the funeral which was the most horrible thing I have ever had to go through because it was an open casket and that is when all of my like internal dams burst open. I was sobbing the entire funeral and trying to hug the people around me as everyone was crying because it was in that moment when you just like see the body that it's all so, it's all so real. So I think A lot of people are turned off by open caskets. And personally, before this, I was too. I was like, I don't want to see this. This is going to be horrible. But in a way, it really helped accelerate the grieving process because I was able to then believe that this really did happen and see that he truly was gone. And luckily, since he died in his sleep, he actually looked very peaceful. But It created a space for me to actually just cry and feel just every emotion I was feeling with everyone else, the sadness, the frustration and anger, um, because it's rad because he died of medical issues that he didn't tell anyone. Um, but also a bit of relief because you know that he was in a better, I knew that he was in a better place. So I was just feeling all these emotions all at once. And afterwards I felt better. Like it was a really, really sad, hard day, 
but I feel like I've felt better ever since because now I know he's dead. I'm not in disbelief about it. I've broken the the paralyzation I was having and I let myself grieve fully just take the entire day to grieve and feel it all out. And now that I know more the truth of what happened, I feel better knowing that he is definitely in a better place. So that, all of that was my personal grieving process. Now I'm going to give another example. Uh, I'm going to give some examples of like how some other people were grieving just to demonstrate how different people's processes are. So because my uncle died very suddenly, a lot of people, there were two different types of people. The people who didn't want to investigate what had happened, didn't want to talk about it, and just wanted to take the time to grieve and be sad. And then there were other people where the only way they could grieve was to figure out what had happened. And you could, you saw the clash between the families as um, people were cleaning out my uncle's room. And some people were trying to investigate and find his medical records so they could see if there was any indication of what had happened and like trying to get access to his my chart and just keep theorizing and looking into his meds and just almost treating it like an investigation, like it was a problem to be solved, you know, the what killed my uncle, you know, that that kind of thing. And that made them feel better. It was like that's how they were processing it. That's how they were breaking their paralyzation was being the problem solver and being the investigator and figuring out what had happened because living with the uncertainty of it was not helping them move forward. It was making them feel stuck. And so over the course of the four days, we were able to figure out what had happened. And you could just tell there was an instant relief in them. There wasn't so much a relief at the funeral, which had happened earlier in the week. You know, they were able to cry about it and, and sob and just be with other people, let, let them feel their emotions. But they still seemed stuck on the idea of like, what had happened? What caused the sudden death? And through finishing that investigation and figuring it out because, you know, we weren't going to hear back from the coroner's office for like 12 weeks. That's too long for a lot of, uh, a lot of people by figuring it out and getting an answer, you could see the relief on their face and how they could transition from feeling sad to almost feeling a little bit angry because my uncle was very secretive about, all of that medical stuff, but there, there was an answer to the death. And I think that gave them more peace in knowing that answer. And they were able to think about it more logically. So they were able to experience the emotional side of it, but put that puzzle piece in to understand the situation logically. Now, on the flip side, there were people that could not investigate what had happened at all. It was too, it was too hard. 
the emotions were way too high that trying to step back and look at it from a logical approach was just way too soon. That was not what was going to help them actually mourn my uncle and grieve. They wanted to focus on thinking back on the happy memories, on who he was as a person, and focusing more on that side, on, again, the emotional, like, memory side versus the what was the actual cause of death and logical piece. So they, you know, they wanted to go through his stuff and, you know share with people some of the cool things he had. Like my uncle was a big Vikings fan and he had these unopened golf club heads that were, or club head covers that were Viking themed. And so like, you know, they were showing people that, or he had this unopened package of apparently the best wool socks ever to live. I think it was, it's called fun toes. I ended up with a pair cause like they went around like passing it out to people so we could all have a piece of, you know, my uncle and like his favorite socks that he had just ordered, but hadn't opened. Like you get a piece of it too. You know, like, it's like, that's how they were dealing with it. That's how where they were grieving is like by going through and like trying to reconnect with pieces of him through memories, through actually like touching his things, um, instead of going the more logical approach, like, um, one of my other uncles, uh, the funeral had happened on my birthday, on my 22nd birthday. And so, you know, obviously we were focused on the funeral and grieving and not my birthday. Not, not that I was like com- complaining or being upset. Like I was mourning as well. Um, but I remember my uncle, when we were all gathered together at the end of the night, um, got everyone in the room and, you know, made a speech saying that like he appreciated everyone coming out and that, you know, my, my, uh, departed uncle always loved celebrating birthdays. He was always one in the family to text everyone to remind them of birthdays. Like he was the only uncle that consistently remembered my birthday and would send me happy birthday messages. And so my uncle, Again, an example of trying to live through him and the joy that he had. Um, He had everyone sing me happy birthday because it's what my departed uncle would have wanted to find some joy and happiness in the day instead of, you know, completely ignoring my birthday and just mourning. And that was very meaningful to me, but I use that as an example because that whole process helped him feel more connected to my departed uncle. So that's another type of grieving is just finding the, the joy in the memories that make you feel connected to the departed. So those were the two different primary, different examples I saw in this sudden morning. And I feel like when talking to people, that's kind of typical when someone suddenly dies. Now, I have another example of a different type of mourning. And this is when 
the death was a long time coming. And this happened with my grandfather on my father's side. So my grandfather back in 20, end of 2016 was diagnosed with cancer and it was terminal. So for the next three, four months, he was in a assisted living care facility where, you know, it, it was like a medical facility, but it was um, to, I guess, help him be comfortable in the next few months and be given medica- medication, pain relief, all that. And you could see the deterioration of his state um, into, until he would inevitably die. And really none of us truly believed that it would turn around for him. And the mourning process was longer in that sense where you had more time to say your goodbyes and to have final moments with him. And I know personally how I was feeling during that time was, I just wanted him to go so he would no longer have to suffer. It was obviously very sad because I was thinking about all the wonderful moments that we had together and how hard it was going to be to no longer have him in my life, to no longer um, have him in my grandmother's life, in my father's life. But I just wanted him to be at peace and to not suffer anymore. So I feel like that logical piece was there of knowing that he would no longer suffer. But I was also able to cling on to more of the joyous memories that he had and think of the times when he wasn't sick. Because how he was when he was sick was not who he was as a person. Um, He was very different. So I spent more of my mourning process and clinging into the memories that I had of him, the positive memories, and trying to just feel relief that he was going to be gone and that he would no longer be suffering. And I feel like when he did eventually die, it didn't hit me as hard. It, it, it Like I said, it was relief because while I was very sad and I was going to miss him, I knew that he was in a better place and I didn't want him to suffer anymore. And that, and I think everyone was kind of feeling the same way because the funeral didn't end up happening until like, I want to say three to four weeks and after he died because it wasn't necessary for people to have that space to just mourn because we had been mourning for three months seeing this process happen. And I feel like instead of it hitting you like a wave, it was just little ripples that, that came Um, I know for my grandmother, it was different. It was, it was still a wave when he actually departed, but at at least for the rest of my family and even for my father, I feel like it was much more of a ripple and a, a relief that he was no longer suffering. So when it's a death, that's a long time coming and you have more time to process things. I feel like that's almost preferred versus a sudden death because that logical piece of why it's happening is already there. It's happening because he had terminal cancer. 
it's it's something that you can see the deer the deterioration process going on you can see the suffering and at the end of the day you just want it to be over for them and it's almost like you aren't as selfish about it in the end you're more selfless in that you know it's going to be hard you know you're going to miss them it's going to be hard to live without them but you're selfless in that you don't want to hold on to them and make them suffer more. Whereas when it's sudden death, and you, and especially if you don't know why it happened, um, you want you are you want to be selfish in the moment because you're like there was nothing wrong with them. I you know they were here the next day and then gone. They were here one day and then gone the next. Why were they taken from us so early? Why did this happen? There's just so many why questions and you would give anything just to have another day with them and to keep them in your life. And in that case, because they weren't, at least uh, at least for the most part, usually with sudden deaths, like the day before it happened or a couple days before that it happened, maybe they weren't suffering so asking for one more day seems completely reasonable versus someone who is, you know, really suffering and, and deteriorating and just no longer themselves. Asking for one more day just feels like too much. It was too, it's too selfish. So I know this, I kind of went on a ramble, but I, it's the only way for me to really like clearly define that there's just, there's just so many different types of ways for people to grieve. And I think this death that happened last week really just demonstrated that because the way I was grieving was different from how my mom was grieving, how my brother was grieving, how my grandparents, my uncles, just how everyone individually was grieving. Some people didn't needed to take action and be doing things and be almost productive. Um, in order to just be able to get through the day and feel normal, to almost like ignore the emotions they were feeling. Other people needed to feel connected to the departed. And in the sense of my grandfather, people needed to just feel relief. And they had the time, had more time to grieve. So for everyone individually, there's different timelines, there's different ways you can do it. And there's no right way to do it. That's the message I want you to take away from this is that there's no right way to do it. And when someone you love dies, you're going to question, how am I supposed to grieve? How am I supposed to feel this? Because you think there's supposed to be one way you're supposed to do it. You think it's supposed to be like in the movies where you're just sobbing, but It's not always that way. For some people it is. For other people you're paralyzed. For some other people you feel relief. For some other people you feel anger. There's no right way to feel. And and that's okay. And I encourage you to use the funeral time to let yourself feel all of the emotions that you might have been blocking off or not letting yourself feel because in a way that funeral was a bit was therapy because you're with a support system of people who love the departed and you're all just able to to grieve and to feel your emotions together and there's no judgment there's just comfort the amount of 
people. I, I hugged strangers. I hugged strangers. I talked to just made, it made me feel better knowing how many people loved my uncle and how we were all together for him. Um, while he's in the afterlife and while we're met, we're remembering who he was. So take that time to really feel and don't beat yourself up so much as you're grieving. That's kind of all I got. I know it was pretty depressing episode, but I feel like I just needed to talk about this. And if you're mourning or grieving right now or have been in the past or, you know, will be in the future, I hope you can take something away from this and just know that there's no right way to do it. And you're not alone. There's a support system out there for you. And I encourage you not to be alone when you're going through this grieving process because that just makes it much harder, in my opinion. For some people, it might not be, but that's just my two cents. All right, I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to follow 20-something on Twitter, you can go ahead and give that a follow. I'll see you all next time. Bye.